Hello and welcome to the Houston Vineyard Podcast. We sincerely hope that this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. There we go. How's everybody doing? Uh, Before we jump in today, uh, just a real quick reminder, this Wednesday at 7 o'clock here, the Pastoral Council is going to be sort of providing a space for a service of lament. And let me explain that to you if you don't know what that is. Essentially what we're doing is creating the space for, for people to name the losses of this season, whether it be personal collectively in the world, the the losses that we've all experienced, to name them individually, to acknowledge the impact, and then to give them to God and move towards joy. And so I, I think what's difficult in the way we live life is that we run so fast that we oftentimes fail to stop and acknowledge the significance of things in our lives. And this is a, a way to create some space to acknowledge those things, to speak them out, and to say, God, these are yours. And I invite you into it. I recognize where you're already working in it. And uh, I thank you that you'll journey with me towards joy. So this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, it'll be an hour long. Uh, it'll be hosted and, and by the, the spaces created by the Pastoral Council. We're really excited that they're creating space for us in this way. So that's out there if you'd like to join us this Wednesday. Um, we are in this series on clay, and, and it's, this, it's a take, a look at how the way we build our lives and the formational things we do, how they can lead to transformation. And so today we're going to be talking uh, about rest and Sabbath. And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, you're good. Exceedingly good. And we thank you. We thank you for your word, which is alive and applicable to our lives today. We thank you for the incredible sacrifice that is your son, Jesus. And how it is through his life and death and resurrection that your word takes its proper perspective in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you're here. Your presence is here. And and we ask that you speak to us today. Speak words of comfort or conviction where they're needed. And we ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, We started the series talking a little bit about neuropathways. And we were talking about how the brain functions. And if you remember, Trisha Taylor was here with us. And she, one of the things I love that she said is she said how that we talk about the heart, but the heart is actually here. It's in the frontal cortex. It's like where the emotional responses of life happen. We talked about how the the brain operates where these connections are made, and and the more frequently we make those connections, the deeper they are and the harder they are to avoid. And so we'll see this in our behavior, right? So we'll have something happen and we'll have an emotional response, whether it be sadness or anger or something, and it becomes almost automatic and like we can't control it. What we talked about is that that as we've understood how the mind works, and then look back at scripture, there's this beautiful invitation for us to rewire our brains through, through the word, through relationship with Jesus and his community. And what it does is we're creating new pathways, new ways of thinking that change the way we see the world, we see ourselves, and we see God. 
And so it's this actually, it's like this beautiful thing that it's not just this way that I need to do. I need to be able to do everything right and then everything will be right. It's that there's this invitation for us to slowly reframe the way everything in our life looks. And then uh, last week or two weeks ago, my, my parents were here, which by the way, they're awesome. I love those guys. Uh, I will continue to tell horrible stories about them. Um, because they can't stop me. But they talked a little bit about having a vision for our lives, almost a rule of life, a set of values that sort of guide where we go and the decisions we make. So those two, as we look at the formational things, we're, 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 we're starting with this base of, of an understanding that it's not just about habits that we do, it's actually retraining the way we think to lead to different decisions. And it's also that we take decisions based on a set of values that we stick to, that are essential to the way we understand life. And the next several weeks, what we're gonna look at is some spiritual practices, some, some habits that we can do, some ways of living that will not only help us rewire our brains, but help us lean into values that lead to life. And so today we're looking at Sabbath and rest. And I'm going to tell you, this is a challenging message. Actually, it's so challenging for me, I wasn't going to do it. Like on the calendar, we, I was giving this one away to somebody else. I was like, no, that one, let's give it to somebody else who actually does this well. Um, but here I am. And I'll tell you why it's challenging. Uh, we live in a world that demands more and more of us. And actually, it celebrates our dysfunction. How, I mean, like, seriously, it celebrates the dysfunction. If somebody comes and says, oh, I'm operating off of four hours of sleep, we're like, man, that you're killing it. If you go to work and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I worked the whole way through the weekend to finish this project. And it's like, man, and then the boss is like, looks at everybody else and see, that's dedication. That's what you're supposed to do. And, and don't be confused. It's not just sort of corporate America that does this. We all do this. I don't know when, like parents sort of compare notes and it's always like, oh, my, I only got three hours of sleep last night. And we say that because we're exhausted, but we also say that saying, oh, you got five? You don't know what life's like. <laughs> and the church world is no better or worse. We're in it together. And there's the story of the Wesleyans, and, and they, in a hundred years ago, so they had these things called circuit riders. And they would be on horseback and they'd go from town to town to town and, and preach the gospel and talk to people and people would get saved and, and there's transformation and there's reformation and there's, and there's every nation that you can think of. And they were working 90 to 100 hours a week and were getting exhausted. Today we call that burnout. Right? How many of like just burnout? In the church world, we see it all the time. We see, you know, pastors running 100 miles an hour and then burn out. And here's what the Wesleyans did. Instead of pausing and saying, maybe we have our priorities out of whack, they created a fund called the Worn Out Ministers Fund. 
and had a project that people could give money to for these poor, worn-out ministers. They kept doing 90 to 100 hours, but at least there was now a fund for when you burn out. What it's done for us is it's taken us from adrenaline to adrenaline to adrenaline to adrenaline. Our world has done that to us, and the church has followed suit. So even in our Sundays, oftentimes, we come in completely exhausted, out of breath, not able to function, and, and, and so it's like, give me an adrenaline shot so that I can get through the next week. I was with my son, who does not need any adrenaline boost. We're checking out of like a grocery store, and there's those like five-hour energy things. It's like, oh, we should get those. I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing this. There's so much pressure on us to go and to go and to go and to go. My question is this. Is our over-functioning idolatry? Let's just define idolatry. Idolatry is when I place a higher value on anything other than God. That in in the, the line of sight that I have in my life, there is something above God. Is there a chance that my overfunctioning, my ability to go and to go and to go is idolatry? Is there a chance that in my doing so, what I'm telling God is, thank you, I have this, I don't need you? I think there is. So essentially what we're saying is that our sleep patterns and our ability to rest or take a Sabbath or not do so reflects our values and priorities. Then you ask, like, what am I giving sleep up for? Right, because those early hours, you know, like 1 o'clock to like 3 o'clock, they have companions that are eager to spend time with you. If you, if you sort of hang out enough, those are fear and anxiety, they're depression, they're paralyzing, crippling self-doubt, fatalistic thinking. They are eager to accompany you on the times between those hours. I'll tell you how that's played out in my life. I've had different parts of my journey, and several years ago, um, while I was here early on, probably in the first year and a half or so, uh, I was really struggling with anxiety and, and starting to have things that I couldn't quite understand, which come to find out are panic attacks. Anybody ever have those? Just me? Everybody's better than me? Don't look at me like that. You know where you're like, I'm like, oh gosh, I think I'm dying. Like this is, a, this is death. And there's a part of you who goes, finally, thank you. <laughs> I, I might be the only one, but I, I would work myself over the course of my life to exhaustion, not taking breaks. And when I was in school and trying to pay for college and do my things and play for, pay for my rent and my car and everything, I would work 60 to 70 hours a week at the psychi- psychiatric hospital where I was working and take 18 credit hours. And there would be days where I was driving home where I was so exhausted that I was like, God, like, listen, 
I don't want to get like severely injured or die or anything, but I, I wouldn't mind an accident. Because like I could just sleep in the ambulance. Just like... And I remember I called like one of my sort of like really wise spiritual mentors and I'm talking through the anxiety I'm feeling and the panic and, and, and I was doing everything. I was waking up, so I couldn't sleep. So I'm like four in the morning, I'm out, I'm walking, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm doing all the stuff. And my mentor says, how long are you sleeping a night? And I'm like, I think like three hours. He's like, here's the most spiritual advice I can give you take sleeping pills and go to sleep. Like, that doesn't seem very spiritual. Chemical intervention? See, here's what we know. Sleep is unbelievably important. It does things to our minds, our bodies, and as a result to our souls that we can't even begin to imagine. It brings things into alignment. Not only that, but it also is an act of surrender. Saying, God, there is a lot of stuff in me, and I trust you. In Psalm 127, 1 through 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Sleep and rest are a spiritual discipline, and not only that, they are mandated in scripture for us. One of the things as I have lived my life and trying to find you know, rhythms and feeling guilty about taking space for myself and a break and all these things because culture tells me I can't because I grew up the oldest of six children and something my parents did was probably wrong. Uh, you can write them and tell them. But somewhere along the way, the idea of resting became something that I looked at from a place of guilt. And, and Danya, who was supposed to be doing this, <laughs> would ask me this question. And she does continually ask me this question. Because, listen, part of it is the culture, part of it is how I am. I'm like, my mind's always going, and so I'm trying to keep my body going, because if it doesn't, if I stop and my mind keeps going, it could be chaos, and who knows what I'll come up with. And so it's like, keep moving, moving, moving. You know, Don, you'll be like, hey, let's just rest. Like, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I wake up, I'm out of bed, let's go. Let, yeah, I, don't make me sit here and do nothing. And Danya will ask me this often. Oh, so you think you're better than Jesus. <laughs> Which I think is a trick question. I think that I, that's a trick question, right? Like if I answer yes, that's not like that, no. In Matthew 8, 23 through 27, we see this example from Jesus' life. And this is what is um, infuriating for me, but also comforting. It's infuriating because... 
uh, it's an example we should follow. And it's comforting because he gives us an example we should follow. But we find Jesus in this place where his ministry, he's having moments that are just blowing up. Like there's just thousands of people and people are getting healed and people that are really important want to follow him. And, and there's just chaos everywhere in the best kind of way. In a ministerial sense, I mean, he is at, the, at what would be the precipice of an exploding ministry. He is essentially the very first megachurch. He's outside of the norm of the temple, and yet people are flocking wherever he goes. Miracles are happening everywhere. People are being healed. People are desperate to follow him. I mean, there, it is amazing what has happened and what Jesus does in these situations over and over and over again is he goes away. And you're like, wait, 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 Jesus. I'm sure one of the more sort of like critical thinking, planners, executive-minded disciple was like, Jesus, this is a bad strategy for growth. You have to capitalize on momentum. Jesus, you're like an influencer now. Like, this is not the time to stop posting on Instagram. This is the time to like really up it. We live in this amazing world where everything is available instantly. We also live in a world where we are looking for the one big thing to happen. Right? I mean, spiritually, we look for the big thing. I mean, like, there's, you know, ideally what we do is we show up anywhere where God's at. So on a Sunday, at a concert or wherever, and we have this, like, lightning moment with God. And then it changes everything, right? And we've, we've had those. We've had seasons of those in the, the, the global church. We've had them personally. But what, what we do then is that we continue to live a reckless life without rhythms of rest, waiting for the next one to hit. And so what we say is like, here's this moment with God. Say it's Sunday. I'm going to have an adrenaline moment with God on Sunday. And that's going to get me through the week. And I am going to damage my soul all week. With a lack of surrender and a lack of rest. With no Sabbath and poor sleep. Inviting the friendship of anxiety and fear and the, in those early hours of the morning. And then on that Sunday, I'm going to have another adrenaline shot to get me through. And what God is telling us, and he shows us throughout Scripture, through the example of Jesus, through the Psalms, through the Creator himself resting, is that rhythms of rest, Sabbath, as an act of surrender and trust, allow us to prioritize things better for the good of our souls and the expansion of his kingdom. I'll tell you one of the, my big struggles with this. My big struggle is that in, your, in my mind, I can tell myself that the work I'm doing is for the creator that is for the king and his kingdom, that is for the expansion of the kingdom of God. And so, 
it is more important than my own rest. Here's the lie in that. First of all, the lie is that somehow this is about me. First lie. That one I like a lot. But it's a lie. The second lie is that God is calling us to destroy our souls for the benefit of his kingdom. It's a lie. And it's an easy one to believe. Statistics tell us that over the last 20 to 30 years, the average adult is sleeping less and less every night. I think 34 years ago, it was like nine and a half hours a night, and then it went down to eight and a half. And now in some studies, it says that over 30% of adults are sleeping less than six hours a night. And here's the secret. We still need the same amount of sleep we needed then. What do they say, like on average, eight hours of sleep a night? And we're not doing it at all. And to be honest, it would be great for me if, I, if it was actually the reason I wasn't sleeping was because, you know, of God's stuff. I just, I'm like just super heavy into this reading and prayer life. And so I just, but the truth is I just pick up my phone and grab something. And, and I can feel superior because it's like I don't watch new movies or Netflix. I just get lost in um, YouTube rabbit trails and TikTok just so I can know what's going on in my kids' lives. <laughs> If we ever any hope of reconnecting neural pathways that lead to health for our souls, we start with rest and Sabbath. We start with habits that indicate to God and to the world as a whole that we are in a place of surrender, that we know that it's Him and Him alone, that we need Him more than we could. Imagine. We need to intentionally and consistently create rhythms of rest. We need to cease relying on our own efforts so that our brain and our body might repair itself in a way that will allow the soul to flourish. And here's the truth. We often want to go from lightning bolt to lightning bolt. And in the case of rest, what I say is I just need like a month of doing nothing, right? That's like the dream, just a month of doing nothing. But a month of unbelievably profound rest, the work that that does for me will be undone in a week of me returning to the rhythms I've had before. The lightning bolt of rest will not fix the habits I have created without it. God calls us into the rhythms of rest that reveal to the world our love for him, that show that we value our souls and the connection our souls have with our creator that tell the world that in our list of priorities, he is number one. 
and that the pressures of the world will not move me from the health of my soul. One of the most other cultural things we can do as followers of Jesus is to engage in rhythms of rest. For me personally, that means that um, even when the house is a chaotic mess, I should rest. Even when there's an invitation to do this or this that's really good or this that's super kingdom, I need to rest. Even when everyone around me is telling me how they function off of less sleep than anybody else and that they're better and all you got to do is take this one super weird vitamin and then you can never sleep again, I need to rest. It also tells me that I will not see the results to that the way I would like to the first time I say yes to rest or the second or the third or the fourth. That the damage I've done to my soul by saying I trust myself more than God. The damage I've done to my soul by being overproductive as a form of idolatry will take time to repair and heal that the neural pathways I have connected from my emotions and my understanding of how God thinks of me based on my productivity or what I accomplish need to be overridden. And it will take time. And it will take consistency and it'll take grace with myself when I fail. But that it's the heart of God for me. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this. In verse 28, Come to me, all who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and will find rest and you will find rest for yourself. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. I can't always control what's happening around me. I can't control the day that the kids get up early or that I stayed up too late or that this thing or that thing happened. I can control very little. But I can position myself to prioritize rest and Sabbath. Not because I'm so weak, but because he's so strong. Not because I'm incapable, but because he invites me to that. about to take communion and so the elements are going to be passed but I'd like us to prepare our hearts for communion in this mindset of that the creator of the universe loves you so intensely that he sent his son Jesus and he sacrificed him that his son in human form gave his life for you to have communion with the creator
in a way that had never been experienced before. And that the, the Son of God, with the example he led, invited us to rest, to trust in the work of the cross, in the heart of the Creator, and the purposes of your life. That he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That he said it is good to rest. Not, so, not only good, it's so good that it's a commandment to Sabbath. That he says, this is about the rhythms of grace and rest. get ready for communion, I ask you to take a moment and let's sort of a look at our hearts. And if there's issues you have with somebody, it's a time to let them go, to forgive, to repent, to give it to God, whatever. But also, if you have issues with you, where you have made your productivity, your ability to function or overfunction an idol in your life, I, I think it's a good time to name it. And say, Jesus, this is something I've placed over you. And I repent. As we take communion, we're remembering Jesus' death. We're acknowledging the new covenant that he's made with us that is profoundly intimate. He gives freedom that humanity has never had before. That invites into an intimacy of relationship that humanity has not had since the garden. We recognize the promises that were made and the promises kept by Jesus and the promises that are still alive for us today. And we profess our dependence on the work of the cross, the person of Jesus. We do so with full, with the fullness of gratitude and thankfulness. We do so in an act of surrender, an act and acknowledgement that you are God and I am not. We do so as a practice of our Sabbath and our rest knowing that those things come because of the goodness of God and his presence. So why don't we stand? First Corinthians, it says it like this. It said, I have received a tradition from the Lord which I also hand on to you on the night on which he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took the bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Take it in remembrance of me.
then said, this is cup represents a new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you because of the life we have and the fact that it comes because of your sacrifice. Let's worship.
If you're here, this is a perfect opportunity for you to say yes to the Lord. So if you have never said yes to the Lord, come be my Lord and Savior. Or if you did it a long time ago and you're just, you just feel far away, you're, not, you, you're just like, you came this morning for us, the church body, to remind you, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. Did you hear me? You are loved by God. You are loved by God. He's leading you with loving kindness. So this morning, if your heart, there's something inside and you're like, yes, yes. Just say this prayer with me. Just say, Lord, yes. Jesus, yes. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe you are the Son of God. Forgive me. Show me how much you love me. Come in my heart. And everybody said, Amen. We're going to have people on either side to pray with you. We believe that God is working and wants to work in your life. We also believe you're not designed to do this alone. So we want to pray with you. If you have anything going on that you need prayer for, we'd love to pray with you. If you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, please come so we can pray with you. But um, every morning a team gathers to pray early and asking God, is there anything specific you want to do with us? We're expectant for your presence to show up. What is there specifically? And here's some of those things. Somebody that needs to be reminded, several people, that his joy is your strength. Also, patience. That it's a fruit of the Spirit and it's a low-hanging one that God wants to give to you. That if you feel yourself just like without it, we'd love to pray with you. And that Dios quiere sanar las corneas de, de tus ojos. That God wants to heal the corneas of somebody's eyes. That you've been having some issues, whether it's new or old, but he wants to touch you and heal you today. And the other thing is that there's going to be a restoration of hope. If you've just sort of lost hope, and you're just like, like sort of floating through life and going, I don't know. That he wants to restore the hope for your life. He wants to heal broken hearts. And then finally, that there's somebody that's dealing with some blood issues that the Spirit of God wants to move in your life and bring healing to that. Uh, before we go on, as I came in here, I was out with kids. I can, I can tell you guys that the presence of God is here. And, and, and there's people here that are going to pray with you. And it's not them doing a work it's the Holy Spirit doing a work so if you are prompted if God is if God has got your number this morning take this opportunity look for somebody and let the Holy Spirit start to minister to you do not leave here without that so we'll, we'll leave this space. We'll create space here afterwards. We'll bless you. And you, if you need to go, you can go. But you can welcome to stay. There's going to be space here to sit in the presence of God, to rest, to pray with somebody. But here's my, my hope for you this week. That you would say yes to the invitation 
and the commandment of God for rest and Sabbath. That as an act of surrender and trust and love, you would let go. And, and that as you do it, you would find life and joy in ways you've never experienced it. So as you do that, this is our prayer. Yes. May the living God, que el Dios vivo, creator of all the heavens and the earth, creador del cielo y de la tierra, may he richly bless you and keep you. Que él te bendiga y te guarde. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Que él haga su rostro resplandecer sobre ti y te dé su gracia. May he smile on you and fill you with his peace. Que Dios mismo te sonría y te dé su paz. You have been and continue to be extravagantly loved by our Father. Ha sido siempre y sigue siendo hoy extravagantemente amado por tu Padre celestial. Go do the same. Ve y haz lo mismo. Have a great week of worship. We're going to keep this space here if you need to go go in peace. See you Sunday.